Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes. And today we're going to continue our walk through the book of 1 Peter. And we find ourselves at 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17. Now, Peter has hinted at persecution several times. But now we come to a section in 1 Peter where the apostle dedicates a great time to the subject of persecution at length. The irony is not only that the good suffer persecution, but that the reason they are persecuted is for the sake of their goodness, their following of the ultimate good, which is Christ. And so no wonder Paul wrote, all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution, 2 Timothy 3.12. So now we may never experience the sort of persecution that the original recipients of this letter did, or as some in other underprivileged parts of the world, such as China and the Middle East and Africa and uh, South Africa and all that, we, we may never go through that, okay, here in America. But uh, it is a fact, and it's becoming more and more apparent of a fact, that if you choose to follow Jesus Christ, and if you choose to base your life and your actions on the Word of God, you're going to see a very negative reaction from other people, people, excuse me, in the culture around us, because it is becoming very clear that the most, the worst thing you can be in America right now, in the eyes of the culture, is a straight evangelical Christian, a biblical Christian, a Christian that actually practices what the Bible says. That that is the that is the number one hated group right now. So, uh, while we may never experience you know people trying to cut our heads off and stuff like, now we might. I, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't put anything past a liberal. I mean, we're talking about the same people that pretend like men can be women. So I don't put anything past them. Um, but we're not there yet. So, regardless, the question is this. How do we as believers respond to persecution, to opposition because of our faith? Not just opposition in general, but when we face opposition because of our faith. Well, I would say that we need to respond rightly to persecution. I think everybody would agree with that. We don't want to respond in the wrong way. We don't want to do the wrong thing. But the thing of responding rightly is responding in a way that honors Christ and serves as a witness to those around us, including maybe even our persecutors themselves. So the big question is this, how can we respond rightly to persecution? In the text of 1 Peter three thirteen through 17, the text reveals four ways in which we can respond rightly to persecution. First, by running after righteousness. Second, by remembering our reward. Third, by relying on our Redeemer. And fourth, by relaying our reason for the hope in us to others. So, last one's a little long because it's kind of the main point. So, we gave it a few more extra words. But, first of all, I want you to see in verses in verse 13... Uh, running after righteousness. Now, again, to remind you of the context, Peter is writing to believers that have been scattered abroad uh, because of persecution. They're persecuted by two groups. Um, on the one hand, you have government persecution by the hand of the Romans. And on the other hand, you have religious persecution by the hand of the uh, devout uh, 
followers of Judaism and not biblical Judaism, but Pharisaical Judaism, the Judaism of Jesus' day, that in and of itself was, if we're going to be honest, not compatible with the Old Testament, which is one of the things Jesus pointed out about the Judaism of his day. So, so these believers, they're not just persecuted by the government, but also by society. And so that probably sounds familiar. But anyways, so they have been run out of town because of their faith in Christ. Now, they are being persecuted on the one hand, uh, as I said, by the Jews and the other, by the government, particularly under Nero. This We believe this book was written during the Neronian persecutions. And Nero saw the Christians as an easy scapegoat for his own failed political career. So the suffering described in this passage must be understood as primarily persecution. So Peter begins... And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? What is good? What is righteous? Followers. Now that word followers there, or to pursue, it, it means to be zealous for. So I, I, I was uh, tried to be somewhat pithy with this and say, run after righteousness. And he said, who is, so you could say it this way, okay? Who is going to hurt you if you run after righteousness? Well, that's a rhetorical question. Uh, we know that generally, okay, generally, the answer is nobody. If you try to do what's right, even the lost man with his conscience has a problem hurting people who do good. But that does not, I had to hold in a yawn right there, but that does not mean that you won't be. In fact, you will be because the next phrase is this, but even if you should suffer, why? For righteousness sake. So, you are going to suffer for righteousness' sake. Uh, persecution does come and go for those who pursue Jesus Christ because the world's going to hate you because they hated Christ. Uh, John fifteen eighteen, Jesus told us the same thing. Uh, he said, the world hates is going to hate you because they hated me first. Now, you'll be treated differently at work, um, in the public, etc., uh, for example, the ACLU doesn't want you to voice your faith anywhere in public. Uh, we, we know that. They've filed several lawsuits against... Uh, now, now, the funny thing about the Anti-Christian League United, as I call it, I know it's the American Civil Liberties Union, but we all know there's nothing civil about them, nor do they love America, nor stand for liberty. Um, but the Anti-Christian League United, the ACLU, isn't it funny that whenever somebody speaks about their faith, they stay out of it unless it's a Christian. Like they don't sue the Muslim who goes out in the hallway and puts a rug down and prays toward Mecca for five times a day. They don't sue. In fact, they'll sue to defend him. But if a Christian wears a cross necklace and has a job where he's in the public, they, I mean, they'll start slinging lawsuits, and we've seen that. So uh, that's what I'm getting at is you're, you're going to be persecuted uh, just for the sake of goodness, just for the sake of uh, pursuing Christ. However, in the midst of that, uh, we need to run after righteousness. He said, who is that he that's going to hurt you when you run after righteousness? Why? Now, why? Because when you run after righteousness, that can serve as a positive testimony uh, to those who are against you. Romans 12, 20 through 21, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, the ultimate example of this was the Roman soldier 
who persecuted Jesus on the cross, literally, physically, and as he died, as he suffered persecution to the ultimate extent, death, the Roman soldier stepped back after watching how he responded to suffering and said, surely this man was, is the Son of God. And so not only our persecutors, but those who are quote-unquote neutral, even though we know there's no such thing as neutrality. Jesus said, he that's not with me is against me. But quote-unquote, those who are neutral, they're watching how we respond as well. So we need to run after righteousness. Now, verse 14, part A, we need to, how can we respond rightly? By remembering our reward. Look at verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Blessed? Blessed? How? By remembering your reward. Because the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 17 that the more you suffer down here, the more glory you get up there. Paul writing to the Corinthians, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It is a privilege, as John MacArthur said, to take the blows meant for Christ. When you suffer for Christ's sake, it's a privilege, it's an honor. The disciples went out rejoicing after being beaten in the book of Acts because the Bible says they counted it a privilege, an honor to suffer for the sake of Christ. How unworthy we are and how worthy He is. But again, how do you respond rightly to persecution? By getting mad and depressed? No, remember your reward. You are blessed. How am I blessed? Because the more bad stuff they do to you down here, the more and the more you endure it uh, rightly, the more glory you get up there. And may I remind you, I don't want to run a rabbit, but I just want to take this to the logical conclusion. Let's say that they do the ultimate persecution against you and they take your life. You are blessed. Why? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's why. Now, the third way we can respond rightly to persecution comes to us in verse 15, by relying on our Redeemer. Verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify to set apart, to reverence Jesus in your mind. That means that you truly believe and trust that Jesus is in control and not your persecutors. And so it, it seems like, why did he just start talking about sanctifying God in your mind? Because, think about it, context, okay, context. If you're being persecuted, what's going to happen to the normal person? Your mind, depression, anxiety, fear, times a hundred. So when you consider the context of what Peter's writing, it makes perfect sense for him to say, listen, you need to put your focus, your mind, that's where the battle takes place, ladies and gentlemen. Focus your mind on Jesus Christ. Or, as I put it, a.k.a., relying on your Redeemer. How? By focusing your mind on Christ. By focusing your mind on Christ. By sanctifying God in your heart. Wayne Grudem says this about this verse, and I love this. That's why I wrote it down. 
The alternative to fear is to focus attention on someone else. To reverence Christ as Lord means really to believe that Christ, not one's human's opponents, is truly in control of events. So the opposite of this, how would you respond wrongly? Well, by not focusing on Jesus in your mind, by not relying on your Redeemer, but relying on yourself, which just leads to fear, 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 fear. Or by focusing on the circumstances. Let me let me give you one little biblical example from a narrative uh, found in the Gospels, and then I'll get off of it very quickly. In the Gospels, okay, and I'm paraphrasing for the sake of time. Jesus is on the water. The disciples are in the boat. Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water. In a nutshell, as Peter's eyes and heart and mind is focused on Christ, he's relying on his Redeemer for our purposes. He walks on water, takes his eyes off Christ, looks at the waves, looks at the storm. He sinks. Principle for this verse, I don't want to take, because that's a true story. That really happened. So we don't want to take it out of context and we don't want to spiritualize it. I'm just saying for the sake of principle, for the sake of principle, in the context of being persecuted, we need to sanctify the Lord God in our mind. We need to, or as I said it, rely on our Redeemer. Put your focus on Him, and then faith will replace fear. Let me say that again because that's so nice it must be said twice. Focus on Jesus, and faith will replace fear. Why? Because you can't walk in two directions at the same time. Now, finally, finally, we come to verse uh, towards the end of the passage. Verse 15, part B, after the first comma, look at it. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks of you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Why? Because those on looking you suffering persecution, you're going you're gonna to hear questions. Like, why are you doing this? Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just give in and, the, and all this bad stuff will stop happening to you? The uh, early Christians were given the same question. Uh, denounce, denounce Christ or, in some cases, we're not, they, they were told you don't have to denounce Christ, but you must also worship Caesar. The Christians knew that to worship Caesar was by default to denounce Christ because worship belongs to one and that one is God. And so they refused. And you can only imagine the question that rang in their head and the question that they might have heard from onlookers or the persecutors said, why, why are you, are you serious? I mean, you, all we want you to do is say that Caesar is Lord. Just, just make a sentence with your mouth, you know, and we'll be done here. Uh, and they refused, and they need to be able to relay the answer of hope, and the hope that is in them is Christ. Let me give you a modern example that's going to help you understand this a little bit better. Richard Wormbrand, tortured for Christ by the communist regime in Romania, uh, he lived under the Nazi rule, and he said, we thought the Nazis were bad until the social communists took over, till the Bolsheviks came in. He said, we, 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 th we just thought the Nazis were bad until the communists came over. He said they were just as evil, even more so. Uh, because communism and socialism is antithetical to the gospel because it is atheistic in nature. Uh, its quote-unquote founder said himself that religion is the opiate of the people. 
Karl Marx, end quote. The ironic thing about Marx is he never had a job. So, anyways, um, that being said, uh, Richard Wormbrand would relay the reason of the hope in him to his captors and persecutors so much so that uh, we know that some of the people that catch some of the Russian soldiers that were beating him up and put him in jail, they ended up going to jail too because they converted to Christianity and refused to beat him anymore. And he and he ended up sharing a jail cell with some of those that used to beat on him. Why? Because in the midst of persecution, even to his persecutors, he relayed the reason of hope that was in him with meekness and fear, with gentleness, and it, it just shook Spiritually speaking, it just shook those that were beating him that he was this devoted to his faith, and God used that to win them. Now, I want to say this, that that there's a quote that perfectly summarizes this idea, and that's this. The door of opportunity swings on the hinges of opposition. The door of opportunity swings on the hinges of opposition. And so persecution discrimination. Uh, I would say in America, we're in the discrimination stage. I mean, you see churches being sued. You see the IRS even admitting to several years ago targeting conservative groups and Christian groups. Um, You see the disrespect for Marriage Act that basically codifies gay marriage and, 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 and gives a avenue for churches who stand on the biological norms as found in the Bible uh, and refuse to cave to sexual perverts uh, that they can be sued. And so all this is coming. I want to say this, that church history tells us and shows us that when the world was against Christianity the most, that's when Christianity became the most powerful. Um, and so I want to say that quote one more time. The door of opportunity swings on the hinges of opposition. So the last way and the and really the ultimate way, can I say that? Those first three points, they were important, okay? They were important. I want you to uh, run after righteousness, okay? And secondly, you can respond rightly to persecution by remembering our reward. And thirdly, you can respond rightly to persecution by relying on our Redeemer. That's all important. But the ultimate point uh, is really this, and that's why I saved it for last. By relaying the reason of our hope to our persecutors and onlookers. Because that, that's ultimately why God has left us here this long, is for an evangelical purpose. Because I'm going to tell you, um, uh, the Bible's very clear that we're not appointed under wrath, those of us in Christ. And so the only thing from studying Scripture all the way through seminary, all the way through personal time, the, the, on, the most logical conclusion I can come up with is this, that Jesus has left the church here because there are still a few more to be saved that he foreknew would repent and believe the gospel. So we're here for the purpose of the Great Commission. And uh, so I'm not going to get into an eschatological sermon here, but I just want you to know that we can respond rightly uh, by relaying the reason our hope to others. Now, let's contextualize this, okay? Let's just be honest. Uh, There's nobody yet 
and we hope not, though, though let me say this, uh, over a hundred, this has been documented since, doc, documented, <laughs> documented since Roe v. Wade was overturned, 100 plus churches and crisis pregnancy centers have been burned or vandalized. People have been assaulted by the pro-death, excuse me, the pro-choice. No, I think I said it right the first time, the pro-death crowd. And so that that is persecution. I mean, people have been physically assaulted and they burn churches. So, so I think what we're seeing in America, we're moving from the discrimination stage to the outright persecution stage. Uh, we're not there yet completely because, I, I mean, that, you know, thank God, but I think we're headed that route. Now, I said all this to say this. Said all that to say this, rather. When you're at work, school, whatever, even from your own family, and you're living for Christ, first of all, do they know you're a Christian? People think, well, we're supposed to be quiet about our faith, and they'll just look at us and say, man, he's so nice, he must be a Christian. I don't know where that myth came from, but I just want to kill that. The Bible says, go and tell. You know what telling requires? Using your mouth. So they ought to know you're a Christian. Not only, not primarily by the things you say, but that's part of it, but also by the things you do. Okay, it's both and, not either or. We need to stop creating a false dichotomy in evangelism. So sick of that. But anyways, I'm not here to grind axes. When that happens, I'm just telling you, you need to respond rightly by following what Peter's laid out here in the Word of God. Because the ultimate goal is that you would have a chance to share the gospel and see those who treat you differently because your faith come to the same faith in Jesus Christ. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I hope you'll keep studying uh, First Peter and keep going through it verse by verse. Um, and that's what uh, that's what equipping the body is dedicated to. It's, this is an expository Bible study program. That's all it is. Um, there's there's been times where I've wanted to get on here and and address cultural issues and all that and but you know separately but if they don't come up in the text we're in then I don't I, I try not to address them only because this podcast is designed to help people understand the Bible verse by verse that's why we don't skip any verses even the hard stuff even the stuff that might make us uncomfortable if it's in the Bible we're going to deal with it that's that's what this course was designed for I, I wrote my dissertation on biblical illiteracy when I was at the Liberty University, uh, go Flames. When, uh, so that that's my heart, and so that's what it's designed. If it's been a blessing to you and you would like to help keep us on the air, um, we, we're through Buzzsprout, and Buzzsprout does charge a small monthly fee. It's not a lot, but, but they do charge us. Um, and if you'd like to help uh, meet that fee, you can do so by following the link that'll take you to buy me a coffee, and you can take care of that there. You don't have to. I don't want anybody to feel obligated. But if you feel led to, then you can do that for as little as I think it's five, either a one-time gift or if you want to do quote-unquote commit, I think it's five bucks a month. So totally up to you, uh, and I just appreciate that. God bless you.